Wow, the Lord is here, isn't he? Amen. What a special time today. Thank you, Jackie and Tom, for leading us and leading us in the, in the worship. Anyway, thanks for being here today. You know, I, I really appreciate the visitors that are with us. Um, when people go on vacation and come to church, that is extra special. I think that's why the Holy Spirit was so heavily upon us today, is because of your faithfulness. So thank you for being here. And uh, we're so thankful for our regular attenders as well, um, because you're a very important part of our church, and we appreciate that. So today I want to speak about a topic that is um, not an easy topic to speak about, but Pastor Ripa kind of led us right into it today. Um, we're going to be doing some teaching today. So uh, quite honestly, if, 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 if to follow along, there's some notes in the back. I don't know if you've received them when you walked in, but if you don't have one and want one, just lift your hand, and we'll have someone bring some notes. Uh, Jackie, would you bring us a few extra, please? Thank you, since you're out there. Just bring a few and uh, just hand them out to the hands that are lit raised. We're going to be talking today about the time and the purpose of the tribulation. The time and the purpose of the tribulation. Um, a few weeks ago, we spoke about the imminent rapture, which we believe happens, will happen. It's the next prophetic event on God's time clock that will happen that will take the church and uh, will be uh, delivered from this world. So believing the fact that we are clearly in the end of the end, I believe that. And Pastor Rip just confirmed it in my heart as well, that, that we are clearly getting close to the time when Jesus says it's time. When the Father says, Son, go get your bride. And that is a time... Um, that we need to, ste- st- to, to start and keep te- teaching about the times we're living in. But this isn't to bring fear or trepidation, but it's to bring comfort and peace. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. Look up, your redemption draweth nigh. And Paul says, I, uh, the, when he talks about the rapture, he talks about that so we can give comfort to each other, that we can, the blessed hope of is the rapture is that we would comfort each other. Um, we spoke last week or a few weeks ago about the imminent return. And shortly after the rapture, the seven-year tribulation begins. And the Bible has a lot to say about the end times. You just have to find it. It's full of end time prophecies, especially the Old Testament. If you're not teaching, if you're not living in the Old Testament, you're missing why the New Testament is even relevant, quite honestly. Because the New Testament is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And the Old Testament prophets spoke a lot of end times uh, situations. So we're going to talk about that. And why is it important that we talk about end times? Well, first of all, it's to give us a warning to be prepared for everything that God has planned. It's to give us a warning so that we don't have to go through what the Bible describes is going to be part of the tribulation period. And not only is it a warning that we don't have to go through that, but, you know, here's the deal. We talked about it today earlier. This gives us freedom. When I know God's word and I'm an educated and, and, and knowledgeable about it, I, I have freedom from fear because I don't have to fear the things the world fears because I have an understanding that God is in control of all things. And in his timing, he will put things in order. Another reason that we... It's important that we teach about end times is to instruct those who reject God that will have to go through the end times that they will hopefully listen to a message like this or 
get into the Bible to know that God still has a plan for them, even if they miss the rapture. The tribulation is going to be a horrific time. It's going to be a time of great destruction and death, and it's not going to be a good time. But we're going to talk about today that God's grace and his mercy still lives in that period of time. So today we're going to be talking about the tribulation, its timing, and its purpose. And for those that have been in the church long, you've probably heard about this topic, but maybe you still have questions about it. Why does the tribulation have to happen, and when is it going to happen? And, and hopefully we're going, to, we're going to get into that. Now, we do believe that we, uh, we are a pre-trib believing church. The Assemblies of God is a pre-trib believing fellowship, which means that the church will be raptured out before the tribulation begins. Now, there's multiple ways to think about that. Some people believe it's a mid-trib, post-trib, whatever. But we believe that it's a pre-trib. The rapture isn't the beginning point of the seven-year tribulation. Many think that the rapture triggers the tribulation. It certainly is a part of it, but it's not the trigger. The trigger point of the tribulation is when the Antichrist signs a seven-year peace treaty with the nation of Israel. That is the beginning point. That's when the tribulation begins. And we don't know how long that's going to be after the rapture. But the rapture is going to happen, we believe. And then there's going to be a great chaos in the world, as we can imagine. And then at some point in time, the Antichrist will be revealed. And then he will rise up to being a world leader and a power. And he will sign a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. And that will be the beginning of the God's time clock of the seven-year tribulation. So we're going to be focusing on the purpose and the period, and we're going to try to be educated in it the best we can. You know, we believe that the church is considered to be the bride of Christ. And it's talked about that numerous places through the Bible, through the New Testament, where Jesus is coming back for the bride that's prepared, that's perfect, that's, that's, that's got his, her wedding clothes on and prepared for his return. So we believe that the bride of, of Christ will be removed, will not have to go through the wrath of God being the bride, that the God wouldn't punish the bride. Now, there are those that believe that rapture doesn't happen before the tribulation, and they often speak of the tribulation as a time that the church is, that the church, that the church is purified. We are the church right now. We're living in the age of the church. We're the church age. That began in the day of Pentecost. But this belief that the rapture would be the purification purpose of the church, it really undermines the belief that believers are already purified and justified by faith in Christ. Meaning that something more would be necessary other than the glorious redemption of Jesus that would have to happen to a person to prepare them to meet God. And that's not the purpose of the rapture. The rapture, or the, I'm sorry, the tribulation is not the purpose to, to purify the church because the church is already purified. So if the church is already purified and prepared to be the bride of Christ, why would God need to pour out his wrath on his bride? It, it doesn't make logical sense. There must be other reasons for the tribulation if it's not for the church. So we're going to discover today that the main purpose of the tribulation has nothing to do with the church, but everything to do with the nation of Israel. 
everything to do with the nation of Israel. That's the key point. If you want to know what's going on in the world today, watch Jerusalem. Watch what's going on in the Middle East. That's God's time clock. That's where God's eye is on. He's chosen that nation, and that nation is, is the one that is not replaced by the church. We are not a replacement theology. The nation of Israel will, also, will always be what God is watching and watching over, and the time clock of eternity is based upon the Jewish people. Now, we know the Jewish people are not perfect. The Jewish people, as if you read through the Old Testament, you know there are, they are a stiff-necked people. They are a stubborn people, and they've rejected God multiple times through history, yet God has a mercy and a grace for them that he will ultimately save the nation of Israel at the end of the seven-year tribulation. And that's what we're focusing on today. The prophet Zechariah says that God will purify a small number of his, of his people during the tribulation period, and that nation will finally recognize, they, as a nation, they will finally recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Jewish people today that accept Christ, they're called Messianic Jews because they've accepted Jesus as their king and their savior. They are part of the church a Jewish person today that accepts Christ, they are part of the church. And when the rapture happens, God is not a respecter of people. So Jewish people will come, will be are included as the bride of Christ today, as well as every other nationality in the world that accepts Christ. But for those that reject Christ, including Gentiles, there's a great tribulation that coming. Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9 talks about the fact that they will, the Jewish people will, will eventually recognize Christ as the Messiah. Zechariah says in chapter 13, beginning of verse 8, says two-thirds of the people in the land, he's talking to the Jewish people, in the land will be cut off and die, says the Lord. But one-third will be left in the land. I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will remember, and I will answer them, and I will say, these are my people, and they will say, the Lord is our God. And when the Jewish people recognize the Messiah as Jesus, that's the purpose of the tribulation. The promise of God is that he will save the remnant of the Jewish nation at the end of the tribulation. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30 and 31 when you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. In other words, God is a covenant keeper. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant that, that he, the Jewish people would be his, the apple of his eye forever. And God is not going to break that covenant with the Jewish people. The second half of the tribulation, also known as the Great Tribulation, is also called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. And it is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he, Jacob, Israel, will be saved out of it. In fact, the second half, or the Great Tribulation, will be so horrific that unless God cuts it short, no man would be able to survive. Jesus says this in, Ch in Matthew chapter 24. 
beginning at verse 21, Jesus says, For there will be a greater anguish than there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. You know, I, I think that we don't like to talk about things like this, understandably so. We don't like to talk about really what's going to happen in the, in the tribulation. And we're not going to get into all this this week. We're gonna, we'll talk about it more in the weeks to come. But there is going to be such great wrath of God poured out on the world that there's no possible way where it says, as in the times of Noah, people are eating and buying and drinking and giving in marriage and living, and then the rapture happens because the end of the tribulation, the end of that seven years is going to be so so horrific, there will be no normalcy left of life. So how in the world could it be as in the days of Noah and then the rapture happens? So clearly that prophecy, as in the days of Noah, is talking about the rapture, not the second coming. And again, the second, the, the really Christ returns is in two phases. It's the rapture of the church, which is a silent event. The world does not hear it or see it. Only the church hears the, hears the trumpet call, and they're taken out immediately. And then seven years or a period of time later, there is the second coming of Christ when Christ actually comes and, and comes out of the clouds, touches down on earth the Mount of Olives, and the whole world will see him. And that is the culmination of time. That's the second coming of Christ. So we're talking about the, we're talking about that time between the rapture and the second coming of Christ, which is the tribulation time. The prophet Daniel reveals the time and the purpose of the tribulation over 500 years before Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament laws. This is he wrote this in five. 36 B.C. or something of that nature. This is what the prophet Daniel said, and this is what Pastor Rip was alluding to as well. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. It says this, A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Now, these are key points. We're going to come back and talk about this more, but this is a key, key point here that Daniel's talking about. Verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that will cause de- desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. There's a lot here. So let me just stop here and say, say these things, point out. The ruler that's being talked about here is the Antichrist. He will be revealed after the church is taken out of the world. We don't know who he is today. 
I believe he's alive. I believe he's gaining power. I believe he's doing everything he needs to do. It's just a matter of time. The treaty that he's going to make with Israel is the thing that triggers the beginning of the seven-point tribulation, tribulation period. It's the treaty. When he signs that treaty that he's going to protect, and there's going to be protection for the nation of Israel, that's the thing that triggers it, and that's when it starts. We'll talk more about that later. Now, let's continue to talk about the 70 weeks that Daniel prophesied. The passage speaks of 70 weeks, which is comprised of seven days in the context of seven years. A day is a year here, right? So 70 weeks or 70 times seven years calculates out to be 490 years. Daniel says in this verse of 20, verse 24, he says that in this 90, 490 years that he is going to finish the rebellion. He's going to put an end to their sin. He's going to atone for their guilt. He's going to bring an everlasting righteousness. He's going to confirm the prophetic vision, and he's going to anoint the most holy place. A lot of things are going to happen in that time, the Living Bible Translation records it, verse 24, this way. It's a little bit maybe easier for us to understand. Verse 24 of Daniel 9, it says, The Lord has commanded 490 years of further punishment upon Jerusalem and your people. Then at last they will learn to stay away from sin, and their guilt will be cleansed. Then the kingdom of everlasting righteousness will begin, and the most holy place in the temple will be rededicated, as the prophets have declared. So after seven years of purifying punishment of Jerusalem, Jesus will return finally to be recognized as the Messiah, and then the thousand-year millennial reign will begin. And that's the major purpose of the tribulation, to deal with the Jewish nation. God promised Abraham and throughout all the Old Testament prophets that he would never destroy his people but he would redeem them, even if it takes severe tribulation to bring them to their knees. You know, an example of this is the prodigal son. Think about it. The prodigal son, what did he do? He took all his, all his inheritance from his father, went off and lived a fun lifestyle in the city with all of his friends until he lost all of his money. And it wasn't until he was so broken, so broken in his spirit, so broken financially. A Jewish boy is feeding pigs, an unclean animal, tempted to the point of eating their pig slop. And then the Bible says, then he came to his senses and he went back and he asked to be forgiven. How many times do we have to go through the pit before we come to our senses? You see, God loves you that much. He loves your child that much. If you have a wayward child that's not serving Christ yet, continue to pray as a prodigal son prayed, a prodigal son's father prayed. Pray that there would be a crushing come, that God would crush them to the point where they are, have nothing else to look up to besides God, that they would come to their senses. And that's exactly what's happening in the, in the tribulation time for the nation of Israel, that they're being crushed until it's time that they come to their senses and they recognize the fact that Jesus really is the Messiah. That's an amazing thing. That's where salvation comes from. That's where our freedom comes from. 
So let's dig in a little bit more about this timing because I know it gets a little bit confusing when you start talking through these numbers. So let's break this 490 years down a little bit. There's seven sets of seven that he talks about. If you go back and, and read in Daniel, verse 25, he says, Now listen and understand, seven sets plus 62 sets, seven sets of seven, plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild the Jerusalem. So seven sets of seven is 49 years. 62 sets of seven is 434 years. So when you add those together, it's 483 years. But we're told that there's 490 years. So where is the other seven years? Is, is there a miscalculation here? Did God miscalculate? Did Daniel miss it? You see, if you go back and read Daniel 9, 25 and 26, it says that the Messiah will be cut off, Jesus will be cut off after seven sevens and 72 sets of seven or a total of 69 years or, se- or sevens, which is a total of 434 years or 83 years will be cut off beginning with the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. In other words, 69 sevens, or 483 years, after the the decree to rebuild Jerusalem is issued, the Messiah will die. And biblical historians confirm that 483 years passed from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem to the time that Jesus was crucified. But God said there would be 70 weeks or 490 years. We've only accounted for 483 years. So what happened to the last seven years? Remember, we're talking about a prophetic time clock that is based on the nation of Israel. It has nothing to do with us. When Jesus died on the cross, God's time clock stopped. It stopped ticking. Because the Jewish people refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah. The last seven years, also called Daniel's 70th year, have been delayed until after the church has been removed from the earth. And after that happens, after the rapture happens, after the church is removed, God now can begin to deal with the Jewish nation again. It's kind of like it's in a football game and God's the coach and he's calling time out. Time out. We have to let things happen here before, for, for a bit. And so what he's done is that he's, he's called a timeout here so that the last seven prophetic years are waiting to be fulfilled. There are seven years of tribulation, and that's what makes up the 490 years. Where, where the clock has stopped. It's stopped yet. It hasn't started to tick yet. It'll start ticking again when the Antichrist signs that treaty. And then God's prophetic time, time clock starts ticking again for seven years. And that will, that will be the balance. That will make up the 490 years that's been prophesied. So when does the tribulation begin? Daniel talks about that as well. We go back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, which we read. The ruler, the Antichrist, will make a treaty with the people for a period of the one set of seven. But after half of this time, or three and a half years, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. The ruler here that Daniel's talking about is the Antichrist. He will be revealed to the world 
after the rapture of the church takes place. Right now, the Antichrist is being restrained. And real evil hasn't set up yet until he comes. Paul talks about this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8. He says that, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back. Who's him? The Antichrist. We'll talk about that in a minute. So that he may be, be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So let's identify the players here in this passage. The lawless one is another title given to the Antichrist. The one holding him back is the Holy Spirit. Remember, God the Father and Jesus are in heaven today. Where? God is in heaven on his throne and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit is God's active agent on earth today. That began at the day of Pentecost. When Jesus said, go and wait and I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, that's when the church began. And now that's when the Holy Spirit is the active agent. So he's, he's in the earth today and he's empowering the church to restrain evil from really happening. Now, we think it's bad out there, and it is bad. But just wait. We haven't seen anything until the Holy Spirit steps out of the way and releases the Antichrist to do what he wants to do. And when he then gets involved and do what, does what he wants to do, not only will God's wrath be poured out, but the enemy, the Antichrist, will destroy. He is out to seek and destroy everybody he can right now. That's what the Bible says. But it's the Holy Spirit within us. That's restraining him. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers the church, and that is the power holding evil in check. You may think it's evil now, but just wait. We haven't seen anything yet. So what happens after the tribulation begins? The following um, describes in general terms the best I can to kind of lay out some of the things that are going to be happening. And I'm not going to get through all these today. So we've only got about 15 minutes, and that's all I'll, I'll speak about or so. But there's so much that the Bible talks about here that is important for us to understand. So I'm going to do my best. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist signs the treaty. We already read that in Daniel 9:27. After that, great devastating world wars and judgments will abound throughout the tribulation and will destroy portions of the earth, the seas, and humanity, affecting even the heavens. And again, we could, we could go to the book of Revelation and, and, and start at verse chapters 9 through 19, or 6 through 19, actually, and you could see all the, the, the war, or all the, the, the seals and the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments that will be poured out. But I want to talk about the Old Testament for a minute, because even Jeremiah says this. Again, Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 4, starting at 19. It says, For I have heard the sound of the trumpet. I have heard the battle cry. Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. And in an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. Verse 23, I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty and at the heavens, and their light was gone. I looked at the mountains, and they were quite quaking. All the hills were swaying. I looked, and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked, and the fruitful land was a desert. All its towns lay in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. Amazing calamities will befall that the earth in those seven years. But here's some hope. 
even in a time of God's wrath being poured out, he shows his love and mercy for those that would still choose him as the gospel message is still being preached in the tribulation. Now, I say this carefully because I don't want people to think that I can live in this life the way I want to live in this life, miss the rapture, and then I'll get saved, and life will be grand. No. You might get saved, but you will die for it. You will be persecuted heavily for it. You will probably be beheaded for it if you, if you even survive at all. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to get your heart right with the Lord and live with the freedom that we've been talking about so you don't have fear in the future. But even so, I want to share with you that God does have mercy and love for people. That's how merciful God is. Don't let the enemy think that God is angry, that he's a mean God. God is a loving God, and he loves you, and he wants you to choose him. He'll, he'll go to all extremes to do this, even in the tribulation. So I want to tell you how he does this. There will be two witnesses beginning at, in the beginning. The, so the first three and a half years, there will be a prophetic ministry by these three, three, two witnesses that will be centered in the Temple Mount in Israel, and they will be sending out, they will be giving messages of judgment and repentance particularly to Israel. Now, these two men are not coming from our generation. These two men are either Moses and Elijah or potentially Elijah and Enoch. We're not given. We don't know who these two men are, but they are supernatural men that are going to come out of heaven and they're going to be supernaturally protected by God and they're going to be three and a half years, they're going to be preaching the gospel message and they're going to be given power beyond what we can even begin to imagine to prove the message. They're going to be able to stop water. They're going to be able to call judgment on people. They're, they're going to be given protection. They're going to try, the Antichrist is going to try to kill them, and they're not, he's not going to be able to touch them for three and a half years. Revelation chapter 11, verses 3 through 6. He says, I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, which is three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. It's going to be an amazing thing. And people are going to see this. The world will see them. How? Through the World Wide Web, right? Come on. We can see everything instantly right now. So the whole world is going to hear their message. And we'll see what they're talking about. That's one way the gospel message is going to come out. Another way is 144,000 Israelite missionaries will be saved at the beginning of the tribulation, and they will be set apart by God, and they will be sealed, again, for God's protection, but they will be going out to evangelize the world. Revelation chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 says, Do not harm the land. He's talking to the angels now that are giving the, the, uh, some of the uh, judgments. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. 
Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And then if you continue reading that passage, it names that all the 12 tribes and the 12,000 come from each tribe, which makes 140,000, 44,000 tribes of Israel. And these 144,000 men will preach the gospel throughout the world and lead great multitudes to salvation. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9, then 13 through 14, it says, After this I looked, John the Revelator, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? I, John the Revelator, answered, Sir, you know, he said, these are, the, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there will be a great revival in the tribulation, period. But the people that are brought to Christ in that time will not be brought to Christ so that they can live an abundant life like we are. They're being brought to Christ basically to hide, to run, and probably be killed and martyred. It's not going to be a good time, but at least... When they're martyred, they're in heaven. That's a good thing. But then there's one other way that God preaches the gospel. There is an angel that preaches the gospel message to every nation, tribe, language, and people, offering a final call to receive the Lord. And this is a clear and powerful message warning people. It's a message to fear and honor God over the Antichrist. Revelations chapter 14, verse 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the springs of water. So it's the combination of the two witnesses the 144,000 Jewish missionaries and this gospel angel that this now fulfills what Jesus prophesied in Matthew that all the world will hear the gospel and then the end will come. Matthew 24:14 and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. The end is not the rapture of the church. The end is the second coming of Christ. So for those that look at this passage and say, well, the rapture can't happen because not everybody in the world knows about Jesus. Well, that, they're not going to. They don't have to for the rapture to happen. That's not the end that is being prophesied. The end is after the tribulation, after these, the, the two witnesses, the 144,000 missionaries, and this gospel angel, as they give the message, all the, all the world will know. All the world will be given opportunity. And then the end comes with the second coming of Christ. And why is that the end? Because that's the end of man's government on earth. After this happens, the thousand-year millennial reign is going to be a government controlled, governed by a king. And it's not going to be a democracy. It's going to be a kingdom. And Jesus will be the king. Mm -hmm.
He finally will bring righteousness to this world. He finally will bring perfection back to this world that he established what he wanted to be established back in the garden 6,000 plus years ago. We'll talk more about this later. That's all I can talk about today. It's too much. We can't handle any more. Jackie, would you come, please? There's so many more things that we'll talk about in the next week or so, talking about the tribulation. But I, I want you to be encouraged by this. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be um, upset. But what saddens me the most about this message and other messages like this is that most people I speak to or speak with don't care about it. They don't care. They're too busy living life, as in the days of Noah, right? People are eating and drinking and buying and selling and living and planning and planting and going about life and going to and fro. Thinking about artificial intelligence, chat, IBT or whatever it is. You know, all this other nonsense. I mean, it's just the signs of the times that we're living in, folks. The enemy is all about keeping people in the dark. All about keeping us so worried about our daily life that we're not concerned about what comes next. Next. If people really cared and believed what we're talking about today, who would want to go through the events of the tribulation? Who would choose it? Here's the end of the matter. You don't have to. Where are we this morning? Where are you this morning? Here or online, where are you this morning? Are you ready for the trumpet to sound and meet Jesus in the air? Are you ready? That's the next event that's going to happen. And again, I'm not trying to scare anybody here. I'm just trying to give the facts. I'm just trying to teach. This is what the Bible says. We believe the Bible. We believe every word the Bible says. And this is what's going to happen. This message doesn't have to bring fear or trepidation if we're ready to meet Jesus. Look up. Look up. Our redemption is near. Would you bow your heads with me, please? This is a great time for us to do a little self-evaluation. Where are we really? Where are we? Where's my heart? Where's Jesus in my heart? Is Is he at the center point? Is he at the point of life where he's all that matters? Or am I busy chasing the things of this world? I'm not saying the things of this world are bad. I'm not saying that. They're just not what's the most important. The most important is my heart with Christ. So where are you this morning? It's a simple thing to ask Jesus to forgive you. It's a simple thing to recognize your sin. It's a simple thing to say, Father, I'm sorry. Jesus, please forgive me. You can do that as you're sitting where you're at. But you have to have a commitment for tomorrow that you're not going to forget what you said today. This is not just to say it once and be done with it. This is to say it once to begin a new life. To begin a new life of joy and peace and happiness. It's a promise to us if we'll receive it. 
But as Jackie and Tom lead us in this next song, I just want you to just examine your hearts. If if you want people to pray with you afterwards, I'd be happy to pray with you. Pastor Rip, Pastor Leland, others would be happy to pray with you. But this is not a time to let your mind wander. Let your heart settle in here now. See what Jesus has in store for us. Tom and Jackie, would you would you lead us, please?
Lord, we thank you, Father, for your greatness. We really do hold you up, Father, and say you are awesome. You are great. And God, I know we've given a hard message today, a message of a lot of information. But Lord, it is all about your grace and your mercy that you extend that to us as you educate us, as you tell us, as you inform us. So, Father, I pray for everyone here this morning that heard this message and maybe online later, God, that their hearts would be open to this. Lord, not as in a sense of fear and trepidation, but in a sense of hope because you really are great and you're worthy to be praised. And that's what we do. We praise you, Lord, as we go. As we take this next step into our life, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you because of all the things that you have in store for us. And we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for telling us. We thank you, God, for loving us so much that you would educate us so that we have no fear. Lord, I pray protection over this congregation, over these people. Lord, as they go, that the enemy would have no play in their lives. Lord, that we would be held above the enemy's reach, that he would be out to seek and destroy. But, Father, through your grace and through your mercy and your love, you protect us. Lord, you would seal us with your salvation, that we would know who you are and how great you are. And God, we praise your holy name. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. Enjoy your day. If you have anything you want to talk about, if you want to pray, I'm here to pray. Amen. Be blessed.